The Accidental Entrepreneur is produced by Beinhacker Law and brought to you through our affiliate relationships with the following sponsors. One of One Productions, the New Jersey-based podcast studio that produces and edits both audio and video podcasts. They sell equipment for the average podcaster and have even created a guesting kit exclusively for our listeners. North Authentic, the conscious hair care marketplace offering the cleanest brands from around the world. The Healthy Place, the e-commerce site with thousands of supplements to help you live a healthier life, along with natural solutions for chronic pain, stress, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, and much, much more. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. So I, I tried 10 different companies, Mitch, and, and it was funny that not one of them, or individuals and companies, not one of them can beat my numbers. And I'm going to tell you, I am not a good media buyer. So I've kind of thought that was ridiculous. But until finally, number 11 came walking through the door, Big Max, and he totally crushed my numbers. And I was like, Wow. How did you try it? You gave them like a month or you, how did you yeah, try each company? A couple of weeks. And it, okay. look, in media, in media buying, you know, immediately, right? Can they so it should be like, numbers? yeah. Okay. And you could literally find out on a hundred dollars spend. Cause the analytics, you get them right away. Exactly. Exactly. And okay. cost per lead right away. So I find my, it's very common in the, in the digital marketing space. These guys, a lot of them don't know what they're doing. I, I don't know what it is. Because there's no barrier to entry. Anybody yeah. can be a digital marketer. Anybody marketer. can open a hang a shingle exactly. and be like, ah, oh, I know digital marketing. Okay. Exactly. So that's why. So anyway, so so Big Max crushes my numbers. I, I used to sit somebody to get somebody in a lead, yeah. which be, would be a woman between the ages of 25 and 45 to sit down in front of us for $12. That was he your dropped, cost. That was my cost. He dropped okay. the cost to two. <laughs> so, so he knew like, something. He knew something. He knew something. So then, okay. you know, over the course of six, uh, the next six months to a year, uh, I got to know him pretty well. And I'm like, listen, you've got a skill here. You're a one man shop. My skill is, you know, growing companies from zero to whatever pretty quickly. Why don't we combine our, our talents? So we did that. And, uh, you know, we went from two, which was he and I, to four for about a year and a half. And then all of a sudden, I got tired of four people. And we, we decided what I call blitz scaling to, to scale it up. And now we're just close to 300 employees. And, uh, you know, that's about four years after we, we opened up our. The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work, and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode. Hey, Mitch, thank you for having me on. My name is Mark Lachance or Lachance if you're from out of the United States. And Lachance actually means lucky. So that uh, you know gives me the right to, uh, to write a book called The Lucky Formula. Uh, I've had uh, over almost 30 years of experience in business, um, you know, from payments to sports to digital marketing and fitness and nutrition. So I've got a pretty good uh, breath on, on all industries and how to blitz scale companies. So I look forward to this, uh, this podcast. All right, Mark. So I appreciate coming to the podcast. I think, I guess it was maybe a publicist or something or a booking agency that connected us. That's correct. Probably right. Um, and is, is it La Chance? Is it? Well, well we're, Chance? Mitch, are, are you in the U.S.? If you're is in the U.S., Chance? It's, <laughs> if, if you're in the U.S., it's La Chance. But if okay. you're out, anywhere outside, it's La Chance. So okay. So you, you already answered the question was, what does it mean? Because you did put that in your bio. So now we know it's lucky and we'll we'll get into what the lucky formula is that you've put together. I think you trademarked that, right? Um, but let's let's go back a little bit and talk about your background because you've been in the payment processing business, which I'm pretty familiar with. I have some clients in that business. 
um, and and you've invested in and been involved with a lot of businesses up to what you're now you're now doing. So maybe you want to take us back to where you grew up and where you got started and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, sure. So so I grew up in in Connecticut actually. Okay. Um, you know, so you know, from we moved to Connecticut when I was four years old from Lewiston, Maine, where I was born. But anyway, so I grew up in Connecticut, and we are a pretty big hockey family. My father, being Canadian, obviously ah, loved uh, loved ice hockey. Right. And you know, we played on the travel teams, the AAA teams. But my two brothers were dominant. And one of my brothers actually played in the National Hockey League for 13 years, which oh, is the, nice. the, big, the bigs. Uh, he played on the U.S. Olympic team in 1990, Great. Uh, drafted by the New York Islanders, fourth overall. My other brother was drafted by the St. Louis Blues. Uh, both went to Boston University on, on free rides, and that left me, as I say in the, in the book, in my the book. The black sheep the, of the family. <laughs> the runt of the family. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I went to Cornell, upstate New York, and there was a lot of guys from Canada who were coming down playing hockey. That's right. With yeah, their Canadian yeah. accents, right? <laughs> there your you dad go. There probably you go. has an accent, right? Not the not your brother. He, he likes to think he doesn't, but he does. So <laughs> I'm sure he does in some words, right? <laughs> there Different you go. Inflection. There yeah. you go. So from uh, from Connecticut, uh, you know, through hockey, then we uh, I, I went to school in Boston. I went to Bentley University. It was sure. Bentley College then. Now it's in those Bentley days, University. Bentley and BU were like the two most expensive universities in the country. I remember it was like. 20,000 go to college and they were like 60, right? No, 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 no. It was 15 for me. I went to, I started in 88. I think I was a freshman in 88. So it was about 15. Well, no, no. I know that because I had to, my father hit some hard times and uh, he had a construction company. Well, maybe you got money or you got financial aid or something. No, no, no. no. I, I I had Bentley was like this first school. You all, everybody had to have a laptop and yeah, we Nobody did. It was the first one in those days. Yeah, right. we were the first class ever to have a laptop. Yeah, so. you're like, what? What's a laptop, right? So, so why aren't I a computer genius? Is the question. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but my wife, one of my best friends, went to went to Bentley up in. Uh, yeah. Very cool. Awesome. So, yeah. So from Boston, then uh, I got an opportunity. So from Boston, after I graduated, I actually got uh, started working for my father in construction, which um, is my why and what I never want to do in my life. <laughs> and but while I was uh, working for him, I also was building a, a sports agency. So I had I was able to build uh, seven guys in the NHL at one time, and then I had thirty five. Uh, guys in in the farm teams which was the american hockey league mm-hmm. international hockey league and, and some guys playing in europe as well so, so you were doing pretty, agent representation like that's correct well it's exactly. a natural market for you right with your connection with your brothers so exactly exactly and but you know what kind of triggered me getting out of that business was uh in about six months span i lost two of my nhlers yeah. um you know i what are, they got stolen that, away that by the bigger agencies or i could say stolen away or i lost them away i don't know which <laughs> right, whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but I was, uh, you know, and that hit my, my revenue by 30%. So I was like, yeah. wow, that was a shock to the system. And at the time, uh, Mitch, and you know, the payments business, right? So at the time I met a guy who was, who had over 2000 clients, he was making $20,000 a month in nice. recurring plus about 10 grand in, in, in equipment sales. Ah, so the yeah. guy's making 30 grand a month and, you know, I just lost 30% of my revenue. And if he lost the client, he really didn't care because one out of 2000 yeah, nothing. didn't hurt him. Exactly. So, you know, that kind of opened my eyes real quick to the value of recurring revenue and the value of, you know, diversifying client risk. Base. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's yeah. how we got into payments. And, you know, I had a, a, a lot of successes in the payments business. I had actually four pretty good exits. One of them wasn't that good, but uh, uh, that's an interesting story if you want me to tell it. So, no, but the, I, I know that business is you can build up a book and then you can sell the book, part and all of it or whatever. And it's just a multiple, right? They just Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's why it was, I mean, I saw that. I saw the recurring revenue piece, not only that, but the value building piece as well. And the diversification in in you know risk. So I, I thought it was great. It was an amazing business. And uh, but if, <laughs> a funny story if you if you want a story, Mitch. In in yeah, 1999, <laughs> do you remember? You remember the dot com craze? You remember that? Yeah. yeah. The the whole the commercials, pets.com, dead. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, 99.9% of them are dead. But anyway, so. In, in at that time, Canadian banks were not accepting online merchants to to process payments. Okay. And I, I found a bank in in Beverly Hills. It was actually First Bank Beverly Hills that would take that would accept Canadian merchants. And so I had obviously huge ties to Canada. 
and through the U.S. Embassy, I set up um, I set up meetings with 25 different hosting companies in Montreal and Ottawa. Okay. So, and then this was 25 meetings within the course of five days. So that was a like a a hustle. <laughs> that was a uh, yeah. a rock and roll. So basically, these hosting days. companies they needed people to pay online, and they couldn't do it through Canadian banks. Well, that number one and number two is their clients who were dot coms couldn't accept payments, right? Got it. So, so through those twenty five connections, you know, a few of them were were huge, uh, sorry, referral agents for me. So I was flooded with clients. I mean, nice. flooded is incredible. Right. So the the application fees are great. The only problem was the the revenue from the the transactions weren't that great. But anyway, they but add from up, that, though, right? You need a lot of them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But if, and and were you that, what's called an ISO at that point? Independent service? Uh, exactly. You just, exactly. Okay. No, I was an ISO. Exactly. Okay. Got but it. I was I was the first ISO ever in Canada, right? So because oh, there were, well, that there were no Canadians that that understood it or or had the relationship with the banks. Um, so anyway, so I had met a, a company out of Ottawa, and they actually offered to buy my company, which I sold it. But at the time, I wasn't I didn't have a great lawyer like you, Mitch. <laughs> and, I, and, and it was an asset sale, and I got fried when the uh, the stock price went up. I was counting my uh, my dollars all the way up to two point four million at twenty seven years old. Yeah, I thought I was rich. And you then, were getting stock in the company that was buying correct. you. Got Correct. It. Yeah. And yeah. then once once it crashed back down, the IRS uh, sent me a forty thousand dollar tax bill, and I had no means to pay it. Other than really, know, cost you forty grand. Cost me forty grand, but Holy it was a great shit. story. Yeah. Great well, story. you learned. You know. Exactly. Okay. And then from there, look, I, I went to I actually went to Montreal. I got an offer from um, from one of my clients, and he wanted to build a massive company. So in two thousand one, September tenth, two thousand one. You remember that day? Yeah, the 11th. So I moved in on my mom's birthday, September 10th. You you moved on my mom's birthday. There you go. And, you know, we launched a company called Pivotal Payments. We built it from, you know, three people to to 250 within about two years. And that's really where I learned how to how to build companies, how to scale companies and how to how to manage staff. I'd never managed staff before. But so that was a processing company that was like dealing with the ISOs. No, we were actually at first an aggregator, if you remember okay. that term, yeah. like, like uh, you know, to checkout or actually PayPal is an aggregator, started that way. And then we also became an ISO of several banks. Got it. Yeah. And you were looking, so, you were like signing up reps and stuff that would exactly. bring accounts on? Well, we had we had telemarketers, so I set up a telemarketing team to telemarket merchants uh, and and reps as well. So, so we you're had doing both. In, you were doing B2B exactly. B, B and, and then the reps. Okay. Exactly. Correctly. Exactly. Okay, cool. So that was, uh, what year was that? That was 2001 to 2006. And then okay. I, I sold uh, for eh, almost six. So I sold six my years? shares okay. and then did the intelligent move, Mitch, of putting everything I had into a real estate deal in 2006. Perfect. Remember the year. Perfect timing, right? 2006 <laughs> to 2008 was a great time to be putting money into real estate. <laughs> but I put it all on red and, uh, you know, needless to say, I didn't do a lot of I didn't do a lot of due diligence on my business partner, and you know, 2007 happened, crash, boom. Yeah. So I, you know, I find myself ended 2007 with zero in the bank, hemorrhaging cash, and deep depression and anxiety. And uh, yeah, you're a resilient guy, though. I mean, how many times I got to knock you down, and you're like, well, okay, I got to get up. <laughs> Let's yeah, hope I minimize those moving right. forward. Right. Well, that, isn't that what we try to do? Like, we all make mistakes. You just want to avoid the big ones. That's right. Which you That's didn't. Right. And that, but I mean, look, investing in 2009 would have been great, but you did it like the wrong. I did it the wrong time. Timing is everything. But then, you know, obviously with, uh, with negativity comes your biggest learnings. And I, I have to say to this day, that is the biggest learning I've ever had. I learned a lot about myself, a lot about leadership, a lot about, you know, asking the right questions about, uh, you know, asset allocation, about yeah. risk, about uh, a, a lot. Of at that point, you were out of the you were out of the payments business at that point. Totally I sold was temp- out. Temporarily. Yes. Totally sold out. Temporarily yeah. out. And then, you know, when you're at your uh, I guess when you're in the the depths of hell, you got to look at uh, what, what you what, know, what, right? What you know. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. so you went back in the payments business. I went back in the payments business. I got actually it. called a friend of mine in New York. And I think you're from New York, Nick. I think. Yeah. I New York, New Jersey. Yep. So I called a buddy in New York and he says, hey, just so happens my friend Jeff just did a deal with a Canadian bank and they're running their portfolio and they need a guy to run their operation in Canada. 
Yeah. So I'm like, well, this could be perfect. I said, and he says, but you know, here's the kicker. You're going to need to invest some cash to, they want an equity partner. I'm like, well, I'm pretty much broke. I don't know how I'm going to do that. <laughs> you needed so, a job. That's right. Right. Now you, were you living in Canada at this point? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was in Montreal. I so apologize was, if you hear that there's some drilling going on in my building or something. I don't that's know. all right. I, I have a couple of kids over there, so I'm surprised <laughs> you haven't heard them. No, can you, can you hear on. that drilling? Yeah, I've, now I can. You now, you, now that I said it, yeah. So, all right. Well, we'll see how well the mics work, but yeah, I don't know what the hell that is. So, okay. So you said you were you were okay. You said you were living up there or no? Yeah, I was in Montreal, living okay. in Montreal from 2001 to actually up until last August. I was there. Oh, and, okay. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get to. And that's where the bank was. It was in Montreal. Uh, it was uh, CIBC actually. So okay. CIBC headquarters in Toronto. Okay. But they did a deal. So they, they were managing their portfolio, literally. So they did a deal with the bank and they wanted to grow it and um, they needed somebody to run the operation, but they wanted an equity partner. So I had to get creative on how to, how was I going to raise $200,000? And I got really creative by selling shares in a company that I didn't yet own. So oh, that's good. Out. But but you can do that, Mitch, if you have good credibility in an industry. And well, that's how these blank of- shell companies make money, right? They, they're exactly. investing in the guy. They can say, all exactly. right, Mark, we like you. Here's money. Go out and find us a company. And well, at least you had the company, though. You had the business. It wasn't like that's you're right. like, it wasn't blank check. That's right. But yeah. I didn't own the shares yet. But that's they didn't the need to know that. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. <laughs> they didn't need to know that. <laughs> it's just an order of operations, right? So it, you, you would own the shares. It's just that you didn't know it right then. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but so, in the yeah. end, in the end, all the, all the, I'll call them angels, all the angel investors, uh, you know, got a tremendous return on their capital. So okay. all was good in the end. So, okay. So you, you know, came in as an equity partner with, with the bank, the bank. Uh, no, 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 no. With, with, with the, uh, the guys in New York with our, oh, got our it. Partner, okay. business partner. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, from there we, I called blitz, you know, blitz scale the business again. So I started, I was the first employee and built it up to 215 employees within about a year and a half. And another big learning experience came. So I was the head of the ship and oftentimes, and I call it, I call it the entrepreneur's dilemma. Mitch, maybe you went through this one day in your career. Yeah. But oftentimes an entrepreneur or the CEO, they often feel where they, they're the smartest or the best, or they have to be the best and know everything that's going on. And so it was a year and a half into this, uh, into the launch of the company. And I was, it was December of 2010, sitting at my desk. Looking at my inbox, uh, and I, the number probably escapes me, but I want to say it was a thousand unopened emails. And I'm thousand. like, how okay. the hell am I going to get through all this? Uh, right. This company's running me. I'm not running it. And so, you know, I had to really get a coach and get a mentor and, and drop my ego and, and figure out what the problem was and why my company was, why I was, you know, so fried and why I wanted to basically hang up my skates yeah. and walk away from a company. I just, I just launched and that was doing incredibly well. But I found out that, you know, after going to uh, Tony Robbins business mastery and, and then Dan Sullivan, strategic coach. Sure. Dan Sullivan. Yeah. That I was the problem. So oftentimes the entrepreneur finds out that, you know, look, you don't need to be the smartest person in the room, right. hire the best person and let them do their job. Yeah. And, and look, that's a key to, to growing a business fast, quickly, you know, blitz scaling is hire the best, get out of the way, let them do the job, let them do what they do best and yeah. leave your ego at the door. Right. And, that's and a you know, problem. you don't, that's a huge problem. And right. you know, I've, I've got get out of that. your own way. Exactly. Or get out of their way as well, right? Get right. out of your own way, get out of their way, right. let them do it. So, you know, we scaled the company up from there and uh, I was able to get a very successful exit in 2016. Um, now, how do you, so that kind of business, I know it's all relationships. So you're looking for, for businesses, you're looking for reps. How are you growing it that fast with that many employees? Like, what are you, what are you doing to grow well, it that fast? I had a, so we had a, a salespeople or. Okay. Yeah, no, exactly. We had a call center uh, generating leads for our, our sales reps, our non-salaried sales reps on the road. All commission. Uh, all commission, right? Okay. And, but we also had an internal sales staff, internal telemarketers that were telling, and we also had a independent ISOs as well. So, you know, we had different cost structures for each. So the agents would get cost structure X, the ISO would get, uh, which is an independent sales organization. Right. And then our internal staff. So we had a three-pronged approach on the on the marketplace. Right. But you also had capital, right? So you needed money to That's be right. able to hire the people to put them in place. Sometimes people, I mean, look, bootstrapping is good sometimes for a business, but sometimes if you really want to grow fast, 
That's right. You need to bring in outside capital. Well, we brought in, I mean, so the deal with my partners in New York was they put in X amount and I put in, you know, the, the initial right. 200,000. So they put in, you know, the, in the end, I, I want to say that the full number they put in was like 2.5 million. And it, it took us, it took us, which was tough for me to comprehend at the time, but it took us 24 months to hit break even. But in that industry, it's commonplace. It's, you know, look, you're hiring staff. And right. every single merchant you bring in brings in $150 a month and $150. Right, a little bit, a little bit, exactly. a little bit. Right, it takes a long time to build up. Yeah, that's right. So it was a 24 right. month, you know, uh, return on our or break even, and then from there it went went profitable. But uh, right, you know, <laughs> that was watching the red for 24 months in a row is was difficult thing to do. Let me tell you, I'm that. sure. Well, look, your friend who introduced you to the business, he wasn't making 20,000 a month to start. That's right. It took them a long time to build up 2,000 accounts, you know? Exactly, exactly. And I'm sure that wasn't the original 2,000. Some dropped off, some came on, you know, whatever. Exactly, exactly. Go out of business, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. All right, um, so so that puts us where? That puts us to 2016. Okay. So in 2016, I then sell the business successfully. Okay. And, um, uh, you but, owned, you know, uh, the 200,000, you owned what percentage? I own thirty percent of the company. Okay, well, that's a good deal. So, yeah, I mean, you can do the math. What do you What do you think the, the company is worth? X amount, blah blah blah. So there I got thirty percent of it. Was it was a good deal? I'm, I'm pretty happy. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was happy at the time, and then made up for the other two screw ups for, that you for were the not other happy for with. the other colossal failure, right? right? <laughs> exactly. Well, that's what happens, right? You fail your way to success. It's true. It's the only way, Mitch. It's yeah. The only way. Well, you don't learn enough the other way. Because the other way, you're just going to be a little successful, a little successful, a little successful, and then maybe that's all you get. If you fail and you learn and you grow, then you can hit the big stuff. I, I, exactly. Yeah. I, I think you're 100% right. I, I don't yeah. think there's any other way unless your name is Elon Musk and you don't fail at anything, right? <laughs> he must have before PayPal, didn't he? What, he always was successful? No, no, he failed. He's failed many of times. Of course. He yeah, hit yeah, exactly. it big time exactly. then. Of exactly. Cuban's Everybody the same fails. way. Mark Cuban's the same way. And he exactly. hit it big with that. Yeah. So exactly. Right. Exactly. And they're big risk takers. Okay. So you're still in, you're still in Montreal at this point. No, Toronto, it, right? No, Montreal, still in okay. Montreal. Um, and, and at that time, my wife was running a fitness and nutrition business called uh -huh. Fit, Club, Fit Club 24. So I jumped over and started uh, like personal training, you know, stuff. Yeah. It was, it was a, uh, it was sort of a box a group classes combined with nutrition. Actually, the company grew very quickly. It was doing quite well okay. and until COVID basically put a bullet in that uh, in that business. But but the point is that was a and still is actually a recurring revenue business on the nutrition. So it's it's still generating significant amount of capital on a monthly basis or profit. People buy pro products from you on a monthly exactly. subscription. Got it. Exactly. Exactly. So that was, that's a great business. But um, yeah. anyway, six months or six months to a year into that, I was like, I saw kind of a, a ceiling on that business. And I'm like, look, I want to do something big. Uh, I, I like doing big things and, you know, this isn't big enough. So I met a guy in, in digital payments, sorry, digital, digital marketing. Okay. And the guy was a genius Facebook marketer. Okay. And I had, I had been doing at the, the nutrition center, I had been doing the, actually the Facebook ads myself. So I was buying the media. And I thought how ridiculous that is that the guy, you know, running the shop and, and, you know, at the head of the, at the head of the, uh, let's say at the head of the room is buying the media. I need to get somebody. Right. So I tried to, you know, I tried. But you learned it all yourself, basically how Facebook worked, the first, ads, the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. At first right. I did, but then, I, then, you know, obviously if you want to scale a business, you yeah, can't it's not be a good use everything. of your time. Right. Absolutely. Exactly. I have to do yeah. what I do best. So I, I tried 10 different companies, Mitch, and, and, it was funny that not one of them or individuals and companies, not one of them can beat my numbers. And I'm going to tell you, I am not a good media buyer. So I've kind of thought that was ridiculous but until finally number 11 came walking through the door, big max. And he totally crushed my numbers. And I was like, wow. How did you try it? You gave him like a month or you, how did you yeah, try uh, each company? A couple of weeks in, in, okay. look, in media, in media buying, you know, immediately, right? Can they so it should be like, numbers? yeah. Okay. You could literally find out on a hundred dollars spend because the analytics you get them right away. Exactly, exactly. And okay. Cost per lead right away. So I find it very common in the in the digital marketing space. These guys, a lot of them don't know what they're doing. I I don't know what it is. 
Because there's no barrier to entry. Anybody yeah. can be a digital marketer. Anybody marketer. can open a hang a shingle exactly. and be like, ah, oh, I know digital marketing. Okay. Exactly. So that's why. So anyway, so so Big Max crushes my numbers. I, I used to sit somebody to get somebody in a lead, yeah. which be, would be a woman between the ages of 25 and 45 to sit down in front of us for $12. That was he your dropped, cost. That was my cost. He dropped okay. the cost to two. <laughs> so, so he knew like, something. He knew something. He knew something. So then, okay. you know, over the course of six, uh, the next six months to a year, uh, I got to know him pretty well. And I'm like, listen, you've got a skill here. You're a one man shop. My skill is, you know, growing companies from zero to whatever pretty quickly. Why don't we combine our, our talents? So we did that. And, uh, you know, we went from two, which was he and I, to four for about a year and a half. And then all of a sudden I got tired of four people. And we, we decided what I call blitz scaling to, to scale it up. And now we're just close to 300 employees. And, uh, you know, that's about four years after we, we opened up our open up shop. So, so it's, it's a digital marketing agency is what it is. Digital marketing. Well, we're more performance. You can call it digital marketing, but we, okay. use, we use social to uh, drive to certain clients and, you know, uh, certain strategies. And so we're a performance marketer. All right. So you're developing and managing their social media campaigns, right? It's basically on different platforms. Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. Except we, you know, we don't, we don't have uh, our our clients are more vertical approach. So, for example, we're in the lending space, or we're okay. in insurance, or we're in we're not in legal, Mitch, but we'd love to be in legal, but the platforms don't like it. So, yeah, I'm not. I, you know, I've had I've struggled with that. I, I've had some. I mean, there's some areas where you can do well, like in divorce or in uh, you know cre- collections. I mean, there's some areas of law that lend themselves a little bit, but it, it's, it's, it's difficult. Uh, well, do. there's big business in mass tort. I've got a couple of friends that are yeah, in. Right. Personal in injury. Right. Sure. Exactly. They're doing and uh, class action suits as well. So they're doing big business and they're yeah. using, they're using social and digital to drive tons of leads. And they're a and national they're, firm, right? Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. they can, they're working in all jurisdictions. So you get a guy like me, I, I, New Jersey, that's it. So I can't, for the most part, so I can't, yeah. So, but you can do, I guess you can drive anything locally, right? It doesn't have to well, be we, nationwide. We no, exactly. You can, you can geolocate, you know, where you want to drive your leads. I mean, we wouldn't take a small, we wouldn't take a, just a state deal. We want to, we want national because we want right. to go, you know, mass, but anyway, anyway, that's kind of where we focus. We focus on big verticals that, that drive nationally and internationally as well. So what do you, where do you think your, business acumen comes from? Because, I mean, you don't have your MBA, right? I mean, you went to college, but- Of so course I have an MBA. I have an that. MBA of getting my ass kicked all the time. Right, exactly. <laughs> I have an MBA in life. But my point is, is that I I meet, I, I'm just like you do, I meet a lot of entrepreneurs, right? And some entrepreneurs, and they probably shouldn't be called entrepreneurs, they just be called business owners, figure something out, like a particular business, right? And they're good at it. And then they exit or the market changes or whatever, and they do something else and they fail because they don't have the skills to that are transferable to say, well, you know, I just know how to sell. I know how to develop and build businesses. Where do you think that acumen? Because clearly you're good at that. You're in different industries. You know, digital marketing has nothing to do with payment processing, except for the fact that you're marketing your services, right? So where do you think that acumen comes from? I think it's it's a willingness to you know be open minded to listen to people to be coachable okay. to to accept Good a advice. mentor to right. you know to do personal development to go to events like you know for example I've been to over the last decade I probably spent I'm going to call it half a million dollars on on personal attending development and coaching things, yeah. and, and attending right sure so you know re- most recently I I mean this would. Uh, what's the most recent event that I've attended? Uh, Dave Asprey's uh, biohacking event. It's not really, it, it, actually, it is about business because if I'm in better health and better shape and you know my energy levels are a 10 on 10, then I'm leading better. So Right, but that was more think, personal development. Yeah, personal development, yeah. but I think personal all, development. Yeah, it's all, I feel the same way as you do. It's all intertwined. Yeah. You know, you're healthy, it works. Because I'm thinking about business 24 hours a day too. It's just the way I'm wired, you know? So I just do it from the legal standpoint. But I'm always curious as to like what, you know, how you got there. So I, I appreciate that. Uh, that that. Well, here's another point, right? So of, of the three brothers, right? So we, um, one brother played played hockey in the NHL 13 years and he, he made quite a sum of money, but he's not 
a businessman per se, right? So he, right. he he's could back skate. in hockey. Like there's he no could play. He could, he could play. He could put the puck in the net, <laughs> but right. he's not right. Right now, he's not a business guy. But he, he works for the Devils. He scouts for the Devils, and he likes it. Oh, now, my okay. uh, the, the younger brother is a pretty good business guy. He's in real estate. He's got a, a virtual assistant company in the Philippines that we've you know we hired. I think about thirty of his his uh, assistants uh-huh. for us. Right. So he he's a business guy as well. So uh, are you born with it? Can you learn it? I think it's maybe a little bit of both. But he, he didn't go like to business it. school. He played in that hockey, retired, and exactly had money. Here's the point. Here's the point. You don't need to go to business school to learn if you're no, there's willing. No cor- there's zero correlation, by the way. Between- if your bookshelf looks like mine does right there, I think you're going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you can teach yourself stuff. I'm not, look, I'm not telling people don't go to college and don't get an education. You should, but there's no correlation between success. I mean, there's plenty of people that graduated Harvard, Yale, and Stanford and all these schools, and they're not that successful. That's right. Plenty of those. And there's plenty That's of people right. that, you know, did the life hard. Not, I, look, I had dinner with a friend of mine last night and he's got three or four businesses. He's very successful, goes to all kinds of mastermind groups, always educating himself. I don't exactly. think he even went to college. I, exactly. I don't think he did. So, um, but he's one of the more successful guys that I know because he wants to learn and he knows that he doesn't know everything, you know, and I think you recognize that very early on and that's your, probably your biggest strength. Exactly. Like, I, I shouldn't be doing this. Holy shit. You know, I mean, people say that all the time and they, and you're right as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, you said people get so caught up with feeling that they have to be the person that does everything that knows everything that doesn't really make you a leader make you a leader is kind of delegating, getting everyone else to do it. Exactly. And that's a recipe for stress and disaster and no fun. I mean, it's it's not a heart attack when you're young. Absolutely. Exactly. So I think, uh, can we talk about the lucky formula that you developed? Absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. Okay, Let's do it. So it's about the, it's a book called the lucky formula that I, I released in November. It hit the okay. wall street journal bestseller list, uh, shortly thereafter. Amazon. Yeah, on Amazon. Okay. We'll it's put a link in the show notes, Amazon and cool. audible. And actually before I get into oh, the book, audible, I, I love that. There you go. Everybody yeah. loves that. Now nobody wants to read anywhere. They want to listen. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to mark that down. Here's a word from our sponsors looking to get into podcasting, maybe to market your business for your own enjoyment or because you have a message you want to get out there. One of One Productions is a New Jersey-based studio just over the George Washington Bridge that caters to the booming business of podcasting. They offer a comfortable atmosphere using the latest technology available to record your podcast. And they are a full-service media company offering both audio and video production services, creating both audio and video podcasts as well as video shorts for business and personal use. Professional audio equipment packages are available through their website for all budgets. And be sure to check out their podcast guesting kit created specially for our listeners. Care for your health. Care for the planet and look flippin' great doing it. North Authentic is a conscious hair care marketplace offering the cleanest brands from around the world. Their pro stylists curate only the most fabulous non-toxic hair products with better-for-you shampoos, serums, masks, and more that actually give you gorgeous hair without hurting your health or the planet. Hey, you've only got one life, one planet, and one glorious mane. Might as well treat them all as best you can, right? Try a 100% clean hair care routine prescribed just for you using their link in the show notes. If you don't see a big, beautiful difference in how your hair looks and feels, you can tell them they're crazy. Do you battle chronic pain, stress, anxiety, or depression? Well, if you take any supplements or you're interested in natural alternatives, you need to know about findyourhealthyplace.com. Find Your Healthy Place has thousands of supplements to help you live a better quality of life, as well as natural solutions for chronic pain, stress, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, and much, much more. Need guidance? Use their live chat feature and talk to a wellness consultant right on their website. And be sure to use our coupon code TAE Podcast for all your purchases to get the best prices at findyourhealthyplace.com. Follow their links in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. And the voice, the voice is do you uh, do it? yours truly. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I, like I, I have that to... the author does. I don't think if you're going to do an audible book, you got to do it yourself. I, I don't want to so listen too. to some guy I don't know who he is reading your book. I could do that. <laughs> 
and then play it back to myself. Like I want actually, you, to you have a voice. I think you're going to do my book next, Mitch. Your okay. voice is great. We'll see. Do I don't think? know if that's going to play very. We'll do an experiment. We'll see if the your book now in your voice because you're the author. If it sells as well as when me reading your book. There you go. <laughs> you know, I think there's something to be said. You wrote the book. You know what it means. You know what the inflections are. You know the message you want to get across. And I think when you read the book, it comes across differently than someone else doing it for you. I, I have to agree with you, but I, I will tell you that I, I recently am reading or listening to Ray Dalio's new book. Uh huh. And, and he does the first chapter, but after that, you know, he's he's getting up there in age, right? So I, I will so tell it's a bit you harder. Okay. I'll tell you, it's a difficult thing because I was in the studio for, I want to call it 20 hours and yeah. my brain, my brain was completely It's fried. hard. So you want me there to be in the studio for 20 hours and my brain will be There fried. you go. You're like, there you're good. I'll pay you, Mitch. Look, I love <laughs> Malcolm Gladwell's stuff and he does all of his own stuff and he even kind of makes them like podcasts and I'm sure the editing, he must spend hours when he's reading, you know, days, it, weeks. Exactly. It, it's so, a long time. It's a long process. Yeah. But you're asking but people I'll, to buy your book and to listen to you. I think it's more of an impact when it's your own. I think you're right. But I'll you know. tell you this, by doing it yourself, you, you, I'm not going to say learn the content because you already know, but it really ingrains the content in your head. I mean, definitely you wrote it. Yeah. Reading it, it out loud. Big time. Exactly. It was, it was so that, you know, that's kind of a, uh, that was a, an eye opener for me that when I read a book now to read it out loud. So what I do is I read the book itself. I read it yeah. out loud and listen, and that'll really ingrain it. Huge in impact. Right. Definitely. It's Absolutely. like writing things down, right? You, you can you can say you know it and you might, but it doesn't really get ingrained until you actually write it down. That's why you write down your goals, not because it's some magic. It's because you write things down. Your mind commits things more in your memory when you write them down. Exactly. That's not, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. You, you didn't have to go to Cornell to learn that. Did you? That's for sure. I wonder why I went to Cornell. It was like, you know, Cornell was so hard for me. I went to grow up in this little town. It was like you lit me on fire with gasoline and threw me into an alley for four years. It was not. It was hard. <laughs> I, I was part of the half of the class that made the other half possible. You know what that, you know what that expression is? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. So other yeah. side of the belt. I know you're impressed that I went to Cornell and everything, but it's not, I am impressed. Not that I'm impressive. Very... So, yeah. Um, okay. So, so we're back to the formula. So tell me how you developed it, what it is. And the, okay. The so thing. before we get into that, I'm going to give your, uh, your listeners a gift. Ooh, love uh, it. The gift, which is the lucky quiz. Okay. So it's a quiz that measures your, your luck factor or your, your, you know, your, your luck score. Okay. It's on a scale of one to a hundred and, you know, it, it basically, you know, a higher, the higher, the better, the higher, the luckier you are. And it also gives you tips and tricks on if your score is low and I increase your luck, okay. your, your ability to, to attract luck. So you can go to the, the lucky formula.com okay. slash quiz. So again, it's the lucky formula.com slash quiz. Okay. We'll put a link in the show notes. Awesome. So okay, uh, cool. And and it's free and it's uh, it's actually quite fun to find out how lucky you are, Mitch. I'd like You're to right. know. Well, you know, <laughs> luck is you make luck. I mean, you don't just like buy a lot of ticket and you're lucky and you're going to win four hundred million dollars. I'm a big well, believer that, that you play in traffic, you're going to get hit. And that's what it is. And I think that's is that basically what you're measuring, like your chance to be to, exactly. to create so your own luck. It's about stacking the odds in your favor and cashing in on success, right? So Good. it's uh, it, so it, it's twenty. So the lucky formula is internal uh, mastery plus external mastery, internal condition mastery plus okay. external condition mastery plus action equals luck. So I Makes plus sense. E plus A equals right. luck. Right, and, and it's that, and the interaction of all those things. Exactly. creates what people think is lucky, but it's really exactly. not. It's because they worked hard and it all kind of came together. I mean, a little bit of luck, just totally random, but most of the time you're right. You make it, you make it. Well, so here, so I'll give you a couple of examples from, you know, internal mastery. So okay. for example, mastering your, your brain or that voice or that yeah. crazy, you know, so the example of the story is when, when I was, you know, started my company, my payments company in 2009, 2009 after the, the crash, after I was bankrupt. <laughs> um, and it took us 24 months to, to get back to profitability. Those 24 months were tough. So I remember, you know, waking up at three in the morning and, you know, the voice in your head, oh my God, I'm going to get fired tomorrow. The board's going to let right. me go or I'm sure. out. Or I'm that out, was blah, the one blah, you had blah. to come up with the $200,000, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But 
but it's, you know, it's ridiculous. That voice is, you have to learn how to tame the voice. So how do you do that? Yep. You do that through meditation or you do that through contemplation or you do that through acknowledgement. And in the book, I give you tips and tricks on how to tame that, that crazy voice. Right. Uh, I also give you tips and tricks on, on how to, number one, master your body, right? Master your, your language, master your inner voice. So Mitch, do you wake up in the morning and do you tell yourself, you know, how bad the day is going to be? Or do you tell yourself, you know, how great you are and you're going to crush the day? So I'm going to tell you right now that if you wake up and you say, oh, woe is me. I'm a victim. Today is going to suck. Guess what's going to happen? Yes. Well, I'm a big believer in vibrational energy because we're all electric. You know, we have electricity all without that we're dead. And I really believe that if you do have that negative attitude and you believe you attract, you literally attract bad things. There's no there's no opposite of attract. Like you don't repel things. We don't do that. So while you're trying to be negative, right? And you're like, whoa, me, I don't want that to happen to me. Please, please, please. The world brings it to you. That's exactly what happens. So well, actually, you know, let me comment. I'll comment on your repelling thing. You, you attract. So if you're negative, you attract negativity. Yeah. But you, you repel positivity. Right. It's the opposite, right? So you bounce. Exactly. They can't get in because all the negative stuff's coming. It's going the other way. It's right. Look, it's yeah. all wavelength. It's all wavelengths, right? So it's all energy, like you said. And certain things have different energies or different wavelengths, and like attracts like. So that, yeah. that's that's Power what it, positive thinking is real. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And it's not but only you're right. Positive Life thinking. is so unpredictable, so stressful. Shit happens. I always say when things are going great, the only bad side about that is life's going to hit you over the head with a two by four at some point. You don't know where it's coming from. Could be a health issue with your family or whatever it is. You got to deal with it because that's the sign of life, right? It doesn't stop until we die. That's basically what it is, right? So I think that if you are, if you, if you're, if you have a positive attitude, you can, you can deal with those things when they do happen because you look at the, what they call that, the silver lining, the bright side, whatever it is. And other people are walking out with their head down and their, their posture, right? And they're negative. And who wants to even do business with that person? Nobody does. No, nobody, nobody wants to have a conversation with that person, right? Right. So, you so know, good advice. Good. I like this formula. Good. Fits so with that, my that, whole philosophy of life, really. There you go. And so on the external side, it's it's how do you, how do you, uh, you know, what's your physiology like? What do you do? Wake up in the morning. Are you smiling? Are you, right. are you attractive from a, are you uh, approachable? Um, you know, how's your nutrition? How's your supplementation? How's your thought? How's your language when you speak to somebody? How, what's your crew? What are the people you hang around with? And I go into great detail on all 20 of these points, but you know, for example, the crew. So if you're hanging around, it gets back to the the conversation we were just having about negativity. If you're hanging around with five people, six people, 10 people on a regular basis that are negative, well, guess what your mindset's going to be? going to flock with the turkeys. There you go. Yeah. Or on the other side, if you're hanging around with highly successful people, well, there's a good chance that you're going to get you you're charged. Pick- exactly. Right. Exactly. Well, you remember growing up, like you would meet somebody who would get all the girls, or who who a girl was always getting a date, and they weren't the best looking person, right? But they were very approachable, always positive. People like to be around them. That's attractive, okay. and exactly. that's that's the way human beings work. Yeah. Exactly. I think people people that don't that are negative like that, they, they don't get it. And they're unwilling, sometimes unwilling to get it. You know, they need medication. I don't know. <laughs> well, sometimes you can't fix things naturally yourself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, some people are in a bad, are in bad places that they can't get out of. That's right. Without help, coaching, right. mentoring, medication, psychiatry, whatever it is, maybe a combination of those things. They got to turn, change the, what's the, um, the, change the paradigm, your energy, change the paradigm, your life, change. right? Yeah. Change your energy. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I should introduce you to my friend, Nikki. She's a mindful, you know, mindset coach, hypnosis, NLP, the whole thing. She's really sweet. And she's, uh, you know, she's really good at helping people to real business owners. She's working with, right. To change the way that they like think about things. Just like you're saying, like looking more positively, not negatively. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So, you know, and, other part of the formula is your your external, like I said, so nutrition, food, working out, training, and all that, right. all, all that combined, right? So all success, all success factors are intertwined in my view. Absolutely. And then the last part of the formula is taking action. So what do I mean by that? I mean, 
you know, actually doing personal development, actually reading the books that are up there on that shelf, like extreme ownership that teaches you about leadership right. or going to events. So I'll give you a good event from that, that Asprey event. I was just at, um, and, and this is how you get lucky, right? So I was sitting at a table at lunch and a woman sits right next to my left. And then her, her son and her, uh, her daughter and, and husband sat next to me on the other side. Right. Turns out the daughter is the 25th ranked tennis player in the world. And I was like, there you go. Wow, that's cool. So I started having a cool conversation there. Pro or for her age? Pro, her. pro, pro. Pro, okay. Pro. And it turns out the mother she says, Oh yeah. I asked her what she did. And she's like, I'm the, uh, I'm the president of the Buffalo Sabres. I'm like, wow, that's there you cool. Go. Cool. So we, we were having a, a hockey, hockey family. There you go. Exactly. Right. And then I looked at her name and her name was Kim Pagula. And okay. I'm like, hold on a second. You're name not only the, yeah, exactly. You're not only the president of the Buffalo Sabres, you own the Buffalo bills. <laughs> so oh, her family like, owns the Buffalo bills. Yeah. Her and her husband own the bills. And oh, she's of course. President, president of the bills as well. But okay. the point is I'm sitting there and, and I'll get to the story at the end of the story in a second, but I'm sitting there and I say hello to the daughter and I say hello to her and we're talking. And it turns out that potentially we could, we could be the Buffalo bills marketing agency because she likes what we're doing on TikTok, Right. Because their, their average go. clientele is a 50 year old white man, uh, white right. male, but the, but TikTok is Gen Z, right? Right. So I was that's like, not okay. the future of the bills. Fifty year old. No, that's not, I'm fifty uh, years old. Yeah, exactly. That's not the future. The future right. is Gen Z. Yeah, in, and in they want to reach those people. Race. They don't know how to exactly. do it. Absolutely, yeah. they don't know how to do it. So we know how to right. do it. So is that lucky, or is it the fact that I put myself in that position? I put myself there to have that conversation. I actually opened my mouth. Is yeah. that lucky, or is that you know? Did I make lucky? Is a funny word the way you're using it because you went out there. You took action and you were there when the bus ran you over, so to speak. You know what I mean? Now, if somebody didn't do that, they, they couldn't get that luck because they weren't out there. Exactly. That's the point. That's the point. So that's part of the A, which is taking action, which is getting out there. And I find that every, almost every single, no, every single event I go to, something serendipitous happens, right? Yeah. And so that's what that's more what I often say. than not, right? You go to an event, you're like, oh my God, I'm so glad Mark told me to go to that event because I met these two other people. We're going to talk about this. It happens every single time I go to an event or participate. I'm like, ah, I don't really want to jump on that Zoom call. I jump on the Zoom call. Two people are like, listen, we're thinking of bringing our business to the States. We need US counsel. Can you help us? Actually, no, I got a call with London, you know, yesterday. There I you go. The guy. Yeah, absolutely. You, go. you definitely make your own luck by getting out there. You can't just sit there and buy your lotto ticket and- watch the balls drop, you know, but, but it's more than just getting out there. Right. Then you need to elevate your energy. You need to elevate your language, elevate your mindset. People want to talk to you. You're attractive to them. Exactly. exactly. You know, you could have sat there and not said anything, right. They probably wouldn't have, uh, you know, who knows, right. Nothing nothing would have happened. So (laughs) so the story's not over, right. We, we don't have the, we don't have the Buffalo bills account yet. Right. We got, we don't have the finish line yet. We don't have the finish line. You got to keep us in, keep us informed. Yeah. We'll see. Now, what, what would you say, because I think you also had this on your bio, um, you had a, I, I thought it was interesting, common mistakes that young entrepreneurs make. Is it what we already said, or is there more mistakes they make? Is it my oh, whole mindset? There, or? There's, there's a ton of mistakes. I mean, yeah. one being the entrepreneur's dilemma, being you know the ego center and right. thinking you're the, you're the smartest. That's a huge yeah. mistake. Huge. Um you know, understanding how to deal with people. Like when I first got out of the gate, I was, I would call it a lunatic almost in, in a sense. That, high energy guy. Uh, yeah. But high energy <laughs> to the negative side. Whereas oh, now, okay. now it's the other side. It's, you know, so I, I would say that young entrepreneurs for the most part think they have to lead by fear. When in fact, if you'll lead by empowerment and positivity and, you know, Giving right. a helping hand is support that's the team a, around you. Yeah, exactly. So, so you weren't always you you weren't always this positive. You were not. Well, I, uh, no, I look. I would I would say that I was a uh, always a positive uh, kind of guy. And uh, positive, but you know, I would get aggressive. Uh, maybe maybe too short of a fuse. You okay. Know, if something wasn't going the right way, or you know, I, I wouldn't always focus on on the good part, I would always focus on, oh, the what if, what if this happens? What if it right. doesn't matter anymore? You know, yeah. So I've learned over the years to to not focus on the what if and focus on the big right. goal at the end of the line. Especially since nine out of 10 of them don't happen. <laughs> the things that you're worried about very, very rarely happen. I mean, they happen, but they very rarely happen. So, and by the way, worrying about it, 
It's not going to change the outcome. It's either exactly. going to happen or it's not going to happen. Actually, probably exactly. worrying about it would change the outcome, you and I believe, because now you're putting negative energy out into the world. It'll make it happen, thing. right? It'll exactly. guarantee it's going to happen. <laughs> That's right. You know, you know those people. They're always, oh, so, you know, all these bad things are negative all the time. It just yeah. keeps coming at them. That's right. That's you right. Know, just lined up. So what does the future hold for you right now? What's going on in your world and stuff? Um, well, we're we're positioning this thing for potential sale over the next year, two years, three the, years. The digital uh, marketing agency. Digital marketing marketing okay. company, sure. And you know, I'm really interested in what's happening in the crypto space and in okay. NFTs and yeah. you know, in that that kind of space. Right. So, let's talk about shit. I don't understand. I kind of understand <laughs> it. Uh, well, here, here, let me help you understand and it. Crypto and, let me yeah. help you understand it this NFTs. way. So you saw what happened in Canada, right? Recently with the trucker, the whole trucker thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in Ontario. And in, in Ontario. They blocked the whole city. They blocked the whole city right. and the, the government, the Canadian government said, okay, this is an illegal thing. So we're going to put in the war measures act or the martial law. Is that what happened? They put in martial law. Okay. So what, what they were allowed to do for a, uh, I won't get into what my views are, but what they were allowed to do is basically confiscate and freeze people's money in their accounts. Got so it. what crypto would have done or what Bitcoin would have done is allowed the they government to not go in. They couldn't do that. Right. So That was a protest, right? Because they didn't want to mandate get vaccinated, but like something, I read a statistic that 90% of the truckers are already That's vaccinated. Right. So I don't know what the hell they were doing. But, you know, I was at Cornell. It was a big protest. You would walk by a protest and you'd start protesting. You wouldn't know what it was for. So probably the groundswell got them there. But yeah, so I understand, I understand that. I was talking to a guy the other day. They're working on, they're trying to work on technology where you could, I may not be saying this right because I told you I don't understand shit about this stuff, but where you could uh, upload um, or leverage assets digitally through NFTs or whatever. So maybe you could, if you had a $3 million car, you could upload the the title or something and then borrow yeah, against it. it in the digital. Yeah. But you how do you, it. exactly. Exactly. But, but the, the question that I raised and he said, that's a good question. we got to solve that problem is that if you and I, let's say I'm in the digital world in the, in the unrestricted space and I lend you money against that car, I don't know. There's no international registry. So I don't, if you go to a bank too, to, to borrow against the car, the bank has no way of checking that I lent you money. Is that recorded? So your real point estate? is, how does the car equal the NFT equal the loan? Right. That's what you're yeah. Saying? How do you how yeah. do you protect the borrower, the lender? You know, unless well, it's an international registry, and and the banks also check the registry, and they also check use. They do UCC searches, and they also check the, rec, the real estate records. I don't know, but that, <laughs> that's not there right now. Wasn't there a guy that just sold a house using in, an in NFT Florida. in Miami, in, Florida, in Florida, down yeah. by you? Exactly. Okay, exactly. so so let me ask you this question. If I know we're getting a little bit off the topic, but it's fun anyway. Um, the guy sells, he creates this NFT, right? He sold the, the real estate. It gives the person ownership of the real estate. Is that true? Look, I don't know how you're tying that NFT to that physical piece of property. Yeah, yet. that's what I'm asking. I, I don't understand that yet, but there, there's obviously a way, but I don't know how okay. it's done yet. So, okay, because I understand re- like uh, art, right? Yeah. So let's say Van Gogh is an original. The Mona Lisa, and then they create five NFTs, and only five NFTs. Those have value because you have a digital reproduction of the right. Okay, if look, there, there's it, that's one of the ways, right? So that's a digital representation of the physical piece of art. Then there's right. other ways like accessibility. So, for example, this NFT gets me access to that restaurant or to that okay. nightclub or to that. Right. So there, there's one way is accessibility, right? Um, and you know, being part of a, a big community. So, for example, uh, the yacht uh, board ape yacht clubs, right? So if you hold one of these board apes, you get access to that community, and that community has some of the most famous basketball players, football players, you know, athletes in the world. Like actors in the world. It's like a ticket. Exactly. Like a, exactly. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. It, and so it's basically right now accessibility and community and, you know, there, there's more uses for and ownership, right? So I'm working on a, on one right now, that's going to give you fractional ownership to potentially to a yacht. So we're working on that project. Like right uh, two weeks a year, or whatever. it's almost like a timeshare like, type of a thing. Something like that. Exactly. Right. Well, that so I could leverage that I could take, go to this secure platform, let's say, right. And l- borrow against it. Because the borrower, the lender has actually something 
of value exactly. to use. Exactly. It has nothing to do with if the house is sold, it would come with those NFTs. That, you know, I mean, if the if the yacht is sold in that case, right? Exactly, exactly. So it's um, uh, look, it has some merit. We're going through the process right now, but uh, fractional ownership will be a, a use case as well. And and it's all block backed up by blockchain, right? It's all, all backed up by blockchain, all on the blockchain, immutable, can't be stolen, can't be taken. Right. Um, just just like Bitcoin itself. So the Canadian government wouldn't have been able to go in and you know take that property or that uh, that asset. Or in this case, because the bank is centralized, they were able to go in and, and pull funds and freeze funds from these, uh, you know, these Canadian citizens. Yeah. So if Putin converted all of his wealth to like Bitcoin or other crypto, <laughs> NATO couldn't freeze his accounts. Exactly. I'm not sure NATO can freeze his accounts anyway right now, can they? I don't know. No idea. I'm sure they're freezing someone's. I'm. They're doing something. What What do we do? Our economic sanctions. What? So So you're invading the country, but and now you can't go to the ATM. That's the penalty. I, I don't really. You know, economic sanctions. It doesn't seem to do what they're trying to do. I don't know what to see. Are they still invading Ukraine? Is that still going on now? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think so. Okay. We'll We'll see what his his uh, end game is anyway. All right. So So Lucky Quiz. Dot, um, luckyformula.com forward slash quiz. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, the book is called The Lucky Formula. The Lucky Formula, that's correct. Okay, available on Amazon. We'll put those links in the show notes. Any parting advice for entrepreneurs out there? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I mean, you brought up a pretty good topic just then is, is Russia and Ukraine, right? So a word of advice right now would be, if I'm an entrepreneur and I'm looking at hyper, I'm looking at inflation right now. Yeah. And and I'm gonna call it, you know, the CPI, what they tell us is 7.5%, but there's no chance it's 7.5 no. because housing went up 18% last right. year. They just changed the basket to adjust. Of course the they changed it. Yeah. Of course. So if you if you move the basket back to 1980, we're at 25%. Or, uh, right. I think it was like 24%. It's like anyway, that if you added back in those things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Some something like that. Maybe yeah, gas by us. I don't know about you. It's over four bucks a gallon here. Yeah, it's close to that. Crazy. But here, here's the point, right? A barrel of oil last year at this time was sixty dollars. Now it's over a hundred, so it's almost a double. Yeah, housing went up eighteen percent. Right. Uh, food prices are going up, so inflation's through the roof. Why is that? So what? I, what I would say, and how do you protect yourself? So what I would tell an entrepreneur—that's my parting kind of gift. I would tell okay. entrepreneurs right now to understand monetary policy. Start reading about monetary policy. Start reading about the Federal Reserve. Start reading about geopolitics and how this is going to affect your currency or your cash, because everybody's going to be swept up in this in this inflation problem. Right. Look, this is the highest it's been in forty years, and I don't see it getting lower. So, how's that going to impact you, your family, and your business? So, right. I would get in front of that if I'm an entrepreneur right now, and I'm doing that, you know, by uh, by many means. But uh, I would. You know, I actually had a, had a call. We have our, our weekly Thursday uh, leadership development calls. And we actually went over inflation, which is kind of not a, <laughs> not a company, not typical company topic. Of, right. Exactly. Yeah. But, I, but I felt that right now it's, it's pertinent because, you know, after, you, after Russia attacked Ukraine, oil is going to skyrocket. And 6,000 products across the world are made from, from oil or with oil, uh, with crude oil. So you don't think those, those products and the cost of goods are going to go up? Absolutely. So it's going to impact everything we do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think people have recognized through the pandemic how globally we are all connected. Mm -hmm. Tremendously, even more so than most people really believed. But, you know, I think with the world you work in and I work in, we knew that. But the craziest things have happened. Remember that boat that flipped in the Suez Canal? It was causing ripple effects all over the world because there were things like that, not even on that boat that needed to get through the canal that was... You know, it was craziness. And well, then all backed the up the canal for a week. Exactly. Yeah. Back only a week. And it just, it's, you know, good. Mitch, yeah. some would Fun. say that was, that was an inside job, but uh, we'll leave it at Could that. Could have been, <laughs> Could have been right. Somebody's trying to disrupt. Look, the Russians are, look, the only thing Putin wants to do, he didn't try to get Trump elected. He's not, he doesn't give a shit about Trump. He wants to cause chaos in the United States so he can keep his wealth and point to his people and say, Obviously, my form of democracy, which is really like controlled capitalism, which he controls, is better, obviously, than the United States because they have chaos there and in Britain and all that stuff. That's all that they do. 
That's all that they want to do. They're not that sophisticated. Like they're going to, you know, get somebody elected. They're just putting shit up to make us go nuts. That's all he needs. He wants his money. What's he a billionaire? He's at a couple hundred billion dollars. Billion. I, I would, I would, uh, it's probably I more than they you, estimate. I right? would argue he's the richest guy in the world. That's what yeah. I would argue. Right. They know? just can't find everything. Right. Of course not. He's not. Yeah, exactly. So that'll be interesting. So I'll leave it there. I appreciate you coming on, sharing your thoughts and your ideas and your book and the formula and everything like that. And let's uh, I'd like to keep in touch. I want to know if you get the Buffalo Bills account. That's what we got to find out about that. (laughs) All right. Awesome. (laughs) I appreciate it, Mark. Hey, Mitch. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Amazon Music, and many of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at The Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted and produced by me, Mitch Beinhacker. If you'd like more information about my legal services, you can find me on social media or visit my website at beinhackerlaw.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.